Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Are you ready to get into the message today? Amen. Thank you so much. Well, I would, I would ask you to turn to your Bible, but to be frank, we're going to be all over the Bible today. And my name's not Frank, it's JJ. Ha <laughs> um, I don't have another, I'm sorry, <laughs> the jokes, <laughs> dad jokes. You hit a certain age and this is the best you can come up with. Um, uh, we're going to be all over scripture today. We'll have our, our first finger into Exodus chapter 24. But before we do that, uh, I want to highlight something. You know, we are at a unique juncture in the history of our church, a very symbolic significance. We have just completed six years as a church, but we are also on our way to seven. And so we are six, but technically we turned six at 1201. And ever since 1201, we are now turning seven. This is significant because of the symbolism behind the number six and seven. Now I gotta just put a little disclaimer here. I am not the numerology guy. If you don't know what numerology means, numerology is the study of numbers in the biblical context. There is a study of Bible that looks at numbers and tries to attach significance to every number in the Bible. And I think sometimes it's a bit much. I'm not that guy because I think it can get weird. Like I know some people who only put three teaspoons of sugar in their coffee, you know, because they're like Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And I'm just like, that's not theology, that's OCD. Okay, and they're not the same. And so I'm not that guy, but there is a unique, undeniable, unquestionable relationship between the numbers six and seven in the scripture. And we just have to talk about it. First off, the number six is representative of humanity, man and woman, because on the sixth day of the world, God created man and he created woman. And so that number has been forever attached to humanity. The number seven, however, is the number of God. How do we know that? Because on the seventh day, the Bible says that the Lord ceased from his work, which is why we come to church on Sunday because it's the seventh day of the week. It's God's day. And so we have six and seven representing man and representing God. Also seven represents completeness or perfection. How do we know that? Well, how many days are there in a week? seven days in a week. And if there were not seven, if, if we only had five days, it'd be an incomplete week. Six, it'd be an incomplete week. Seven is how many days there are in a week. Also, seven is the number of the, when God said, let there be light at the beginning of creation, light entered into the world. But if you know anything about science, you know that that white light only looks white. That actually within that white light, there are how many spectrums of color? somebody's doing the Roy G. Biff thing in their brain right now. We're like, what's the rainbow? Seven, there are seven and it's, it's complete. Conversely, six is just one short of seven, which is why six has always represented incompleteness 
almost there, but not quite there. It's Romans 3, 23 in the Bible. For all have sinned and fallen just short of the glory of God. We were created in God's image. So we have God's creativity and we have God's beauty and we have God's wonder and we have, we have God's love and ability for compassion. Yet we know that we are still so far from God. We are six, but not quite seven. And, and, and that's okay to be that where we are in life today. Now I'm gonna start preaching because we are not six anymore. Although also we are not seven. Now put all the meaning together. We are in between man and God. We are in between the desires of our flesh and the desires of God's spirit. We are in between our incompletion and the completion that God is trying to perfect in us. And, and that means that's why, you know, you ought to celebrate. Sometimes we look, we look bad and down at ourselves for not being complete, but good on you coming to church, even though you don't have it all together. Good on you eating your vitamins and going to therapy and reading books that don't have pictures in it. Good on you trying to improve yourself and, and get better with your life. It, it, you ought to be proud of it. I remember when I turned six, the day after I turned six, I didn't tell people I was six. So I say, how old are you? I looked at them dead in the eye. Six and a half. <laughs> huh? Were you that kid too? Come on. And then as the year went on, six and three quarters, six and seven eighths. You know, you just, I refused to be identified for who I was. <laughs> I'm just giving you some verbiage to combat the enemy whenever he tries to remind you of who you were and remind you of the old you and remind you of the bondage you and remind you of the depressed you and remind you of the suicidal you. You just look at the enemy back in the eye and you go, oh, Evel, I ain't six. I'm six and a quarter. I'm six and a half. I'm six and three quarters. I'm six and seven eighths. I'm not there yet, but I'm not where I was. I'm moving forward. I'm progressing. I'm headed there. So that's good. That's where we are in life. There's also another tension in the scriptures that we see between six and seven. And it's found in the passage of scripture that I gave you at the beginning of this year when we had Vision Sunday. If you weren't here for Vision Sunday, that's okay. We're gonna read the verse right now. Some of y'all got the vision on the wristbands that you still have. If you don't have the wristband, we ran out. I'm sorry. <laughs> But the vision phrase was, we said that this year, 2022, was going to be the year that we went into the, into the cloud. And we took it from Exodus chapter 24, verse 15. When Moses went up on the mountain, the cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. Here's what I missed. Verse 15, but for... Yeah, I'm gonna need your help. Interactive today. Okay, I made it real easy. Everything I want you to say is in yellow. So let's try that again for for six days, the cloud covered the mountain, mm, but on the the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud. Then Moses went in to the cloud. He was up there for six days, but it wasn't until the seventh day that God called Moses into the cloud. And there was a tension in Moses's life. And the tension in Moses's life is that he's there and it's been six days of success. God's glory is there, it's beautiful, it's awesome. He's also seen a lot in his life by day six. He's seen the Red Sea split. He's seen bread fall from heaven. He's seen 10 plagues come and wipe out the Egyptians. Here's my point. It would have been really easy after all that he's seen, it would have been really easy to settle after six. But had he settled at six, 
he would not have went in on seven. Mm. I'm talking to anybody today who feels like their best days are behind them, who are looking at good things back then and thinking it, poss it can't possibly get any better than it is right now. So I might as well turn in. I might as well give up. I might as well move on to the next thing because God's been good so far, but there's no way he can get better. Don't settle. I'm talking to the person who has had six fun first dates. It's been good, man. He has not shown you, you know, he's been good. The food was good. The places he picked was good. But after the sixth day, you stop calling. After the sixth day, you stop texting back. Why? And I, and I know I'm preaching to somebody here in this room today who self-sabotages good relationships because, because you rather have a memory than a reality. You rather have a memory of, of a good time than risk going on one more day and it turned out into a big bomb of a relationship that happened all the fail times. Yeah, and, and, so, and so that's not how it's gonna work. You can't have, you can't just live on the, on, the, on the memory. God wants you to push forward to the reality. I'm talking to the business owner who's had six months of increasing profit margin and you're like, it's time to sell the business, babe. Let's check out. God's been so good. There's no way it can get better. Or six years serving a growing church. I mean, come on, y'all. God's been faithful. Our church has been growing 100% almost every year. I say almost every year. Something happened in 2020. I don't know the numbers. They went haywire. We lost all data that year. <laughs> hey, we should just go out like MJ. God did it. Let's move on. There's a tension, hear me, between going home and going in. And if you think I'm just making up numbers to prove a point, Matthew chapter 17, verse one, after... You're getting the hang of the yellow, okay? Now, after six days means it's now the... Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, and the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And there he was, transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. A bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Now, this is not six days of success. This is six days of sorrow and six days of struggle. Because anytime you see the word after in the Bible, you ought to go right before what happened after so that you can see what's happening. And if you go to Matthew chapter 16, you'll realize that Jesus had just told Peter and the rest of the disciples that he was gonna die on the cross. So he tells them, and then the next thing we see is Matthew 17, six days after. So this is that movie that ends with the person dying at the end. And the disciples are now having to sit in the sorrow of what will come. And it would have been so easy for Peter, James, and John to walk away after the hard time and say, you know what? We've seen enough. You know what, God, you've been good. I don't want to see you die. I don't want to see you hang up on the cross. But had they stopped at six, they would have never seen Jesus glorified as seven. Yes, they would have missed the cross, but they also would have missed the resurrection. And they also would have missed the ascension. I'm trying to tell somebody, don't stop at six. God's got something for you. After six days of crying, after six months of unemployment, I'm gonna stop looking for, after six failed relationships, I'm gonna give up on, I'm gonna give up, I'm gonna walk away from this. In John chapter four, there's a story of a woman at a well and Jesus is talking to this woman and he's trying to convince this woman that he is life and that he is hope and that she can stop messing around with all those other people because he's gonna give her what those other dudes can't give her. And you know what he tells her? He says, go get your husband. And the woman goes, um, I don't have a husband. And Jesus looks back at her and says, you're right when you say you don't have a husband because you have five. And the dude you're living with now ain't even your man. Huh? And has she given up on men at six? 
she'd have never met the man, the son of man on seven. I'm trying to tell somebody right now who's getting ready to throw in the towel, who's getting ready to give up, who's getting ready to abandon a dream, walk away from a destiny. I know it's hard, but you are so close. You are at six. And if you push just a little bit longer, and if you pray just a little bit hard, you are almost at where God goes. Mm, now you're getting the hang of it. Because six comes right before seven. You are almost there. And in case you still think I'm messing up, Bible and interpreting it wrong. Joshua chapter six, verse 14. They, the Israelites, marched around the city of Jericho once and returned to the camp. They did this for six. days. Joshua six fifteen on the, Seven. they got up at daybreak and marched around the city, Seven. except that on that day, they circled the city. Seven. Then the, Seven. and I know that one came too fast. <laughs> You're like, you messing with this pastor, I don't. <laughs> Verse 16, and then the, oh, the slide. The, <laughs> around, when the priest sounded the trumpet, I'm sure that's how it sounded. It's not at all how it sounded. The army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed, so everyone charged straight in. This isn't six days of success. This isn't six days of struggle. This is six days of same. For six days, they walked around the same walls and ain't nothing changed. Anybody walking around same? Anybody stuck in six days of same? Come on, six, six weeks of therapy and you're not even smiling yet. And you thought at least with as much money as you were paying that person to listen, you, you would think at least by week three, I would leave here smiling. This marriage counseling is not working. I was expecting by week five for him to be able to throw out the trash. And we are five weeks into this thing and he's still leaving his socks on the floor. This isn't working six days of same. Six months of trying to get pregnant. Same. You take the test. No blue line. Or double blue line. Or however the lines work. Six months of same and Man, God, are you ever going to do something? Is it going to change? Six years of working at a job that you were expecting to turn into a career. And it never did. No promotion. Stuck in the same place. If that's you today, listen, that's what this message is about. It's about navigating the tension. I believe our church is at a crossroad between six and seven. And I believe your life is at a crossroad between six and seven. And we all got a decision to make here. Nobody leaves church today without making a decision. And it's the same decision Moses made. It's the same decision that the disciples had to make. And it's the same decision that the Israelites had to make. This is the title of my message. Will you go home or will you go in? Go home or go in? Somebody's like, Pastor JJ, you just got to your title now. I got kids, I got them back. I'm gonna go through the message fairly quickly, okay? But I, but I just wanna speak to anybody who is on the edge today and it can go either way. <laughs> Come on, you know what I'm talking about. It could be a breakthrough or it could be a breakdown. <laughs> this message is gonna determine <laughs> that right now, at least in your mind. I know that the right answer is go in. We all wanna go in. We all want to uh, advance in the faith. We all want to build the business. We all want to cultivate the relationship. But it's never for lack of desire of going in that we don't go in. We all want to go in. That's not what keeps us from going in. It's not the lack of desire to go in. Hear me. It's the overwhelming desire to go home, to quit and to give up. And, if, and that's what I want to speak to today. The going home 
part. And here's the first reason why I think we go home because I think if we can address this, I think God will do the rest. We go home when we can't see it. We go home when we can't see it. Moses couldn't see past the cloud. Peter, James, and John couldn't see past the cross on Calvary. And the Israelites couldn't see any cracks in the walls of Jericho. When you can't see how your situation can get any better, you go home. When you can't see how your situation can get any worse, you go home. When you can't see how your situation will change, you go home. When you can't see it, you give up, you throw in the towel. The Bible says this in Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. In other words, if you can't see it, you can't move on. But I need to tell you today that you will enter seasons of your life when you cannot see it. But when you cannot see it, I got another option for you. Instead of asking, can I see it? Here's a better question. Can I hear it? Can I, I might not be able to see it, but can I, can I hear it? Pastor Liz, will you help me with this illustration for a moment? Um, Pastor Liz and I were at Disney, uh, Epcot, and we were in the Mexico section and pavilion. That's the right word. Good job. And, uh, and, and somebody was looking for their loved one and they shouted their loved one's name so loud. And I could tell by the tone in their voice. You remember they were shot. I can tell by the tone in their voice that they were desperate to find this person because it, it had like the shrill, you know, of like, help me somebody. And the person shouted as loud as they could. They said, Marco. And I, and I told Pastor Liz, I said, it is requiring every fiber uh, of my discipline <laughs> to not shout back, Polo! <laughs> yeah, I just, everything in me was like, I defied it, that person is scared. Don't mess with them right now. Everything in me to hold it back. I was like, Polo, Polo, Polo. <laughs> y'all remember the game Marco Polo? Yeah, y'all grew up in, yeah, here in Florida, you got pools, so you know about that game. Marco Polo, it's like, it's a pool game. It, and somebody says Marco, and then they, and the person says Polo, and then Marco tries to catch Polo, but Polo tries to get away from Marco. And so we'll illustrate the game right here, just so people can see what it looks like. So close your eyes, don't cheat, your pastor. All right, say Marco. Polo. Marco. Polo. Marco. Marco. All right, time out, time out, time out. All right, that's how the game is played. That's how the game is played. I heard my knee on that one. Um, that's how the game is played. Marco Polo, all right? She, she says it, then she tries to catch me, and then I dodge. Here's why I bring it up, not just to be funny, because a lot of times, that's how we think our relationship with God is. We can't see where we're going, so we call out. Then in response to his voice, we step out. But then when we step out, we fail to step in to the thing that he called us out to. And then we start wondering if he's playing games. And, 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 and so, so this is how it works. Let me just illustrate it. Um, she'll have a prayer. So Pastor Liz got a prayer. And maybe she's wondering if she needs to move to Orlando or move to New York. And she's stuck. She's not really sure. So she's going to pray, but she's not going to cry out Marco. She's going to cry out Jesus. So go ahead, cry out Jesus. Jesus. Orlando. And so then we moved to Orlando, but the job that was supposed to be waiting for us when we got there is gone. 
and now we got no support system to help get us off our feet. Now we got no friends and we can't go back home because the family was telling us not to move. And if we go back home, now I look like a failure. And now I'm, what happened? I stepped out in faith and you weren't there. Or maybe, maybe she's stuck in deciding, you know, who, who to marry. And she got two options, Jesse and James. And so she, she, tells, she tells the Lord, is it Jesse or James? Cry out, Jesus. Jesse. <laughs> She's quick. It's the only way out. <laughs> That's why you had to cut, uh, call off the engagement halfway through. Because you thought it was the one. You stepped out. And then when it didn't work out the way that you thought it worked out, you said, but God, I thought I heard your voice. Now, thank you so much, baby. You can look at them now. So now when that happens, hear me, is usually one of two things if that happens. Number one, if that happens, listen up. Number one, if that happens, maybe you are somewhere that he didn't call you to be. Maybe when you were, when, when, when you were looking for a, a person to, to marry, you said, Lord, is it Jesse or is it James? Go ahead, Jesus. And you heard Jesse. Yeah, but it was actually JJ. And the reason why God didn't answer your question is because you gave him multiple choice. God don't answer multiple choice questions. If you got a prayer request, you better make it fill in the blank. You better make it fill it. You don't get to give God the options for your life. Here's what I want to do. God bless this. It's a fill in the blank prayer request. I'm going to move on from that because that hit somebody hard right there. So, but, but, I, but listen, I don't think that that's the main reason why we haven't arrived. Honestly, I think you need to have more faith in the voice of God in your life. I, for one, I think you might have heard him just right. I just think you got caught playing the wrong game. We think God's playing Marco Polo, but God's not playing Marco Polo. He's playing hot or cold. Do you remember hot or cold? Come on. It's like you would hide a treasure somewhere in the room and then the person can't see it and they go looking for it and you go hot, hot, cold, cold, ice cold, Antarctica. You're freezing, you're freezing, you're freezing, you're dead. Remember that game? So, so I, think it, I think it works like that. And so we're gonna play the game one more time. Okay, close your eyes. No, 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 not yet. Stay right here. Just be patient. Okay, let's play the game. Cold. Ice cold. Antarctica. You're freezing. Freezing. Hot. Why did you change direction? She said, because you weren't there. Because she still thinks we're playing Marco Polo. She had the right direction, but she had the wrong expectation. If she would have kept heading the way that I sent her, she would have arrived at the promise I made her. But because it didn't happen like she expected, here's how God told me to tell you, it's not your direction that needs to change. It's your expectation that needs to be challenged. 
is your expectation that needs to be challenged. This is why people who were following Jesus at the time deserted him. They thought he was the Messiah, but then when he started hanging out with drunk people and prostitutes, and he started talking about dying on the cross, they all bounced. And Jesus is looking at them while they're leaving and going, no, you got the right Messiah. You just got the wrong expectation. This is why the Israelites abandoned Moses in the desert. He was talking about promised land. They crossed over the Red Sea and stepped into a wilderness. And then they said, nope. Because the desert is not... When I got saved, I did not expect to step into a desert. And because the expectation is off, we change direction. And God's like, no, you got the right direction. You got the wrong expectation. Let me make it more practical. Teenagers, I love you, and I'm so glad that you decided to follow Jesus. But if you're going to decide to follow Jesus, you better have the right expectation when you go to school. Because people who follow Jesus are not popular in school. People who have values are not popular. People who believe in right and wrong are not popular. People who stand up for truth are not popular. So you got the right direction, but you need to adjust your expectation. Somebody, somebody here, listen, you, you grew up in church your whole life and you got these amazing church values and, and now you are working in the most secular workplace in the world. I mean, you walk into your job and then you feel the oppression. It's super hard. You walked in on your boss accidentally sacrificing a goat one day. You were like, oh my God. like Lord why did you raise me in church why didn't you give me this calling I don't understand I thought that I would be at least working at like a Chick-fil-a with like an ambiance with Christian music in the back I thought at least I would do that and God's saying no you got the right direction but you got the wrong expectation I didn't raise you up in church so that you could be in full-time ministry I raised you up in church so that you could be a full-time minister in the business world with your suit and tie preaching the gospel to everyone that you meet I raised you up to be a healer so that as a doctor you can pray for those who are sick and give them medicine you have the right direction you had the right direction you just had the wrong expectation somebody prayed for somebody recently to get healed and when you prayed you stepped out in faith you were like lord i pray that you would heal them i'm afraid because if they don't get healed i'm gonna have to live with disappointment but you did father would you heal them you prayed for them and they died and now you go you see that's why I don't pray. And you're about to change direction. And God said, don't change direction. You had the right direction. You had the wrong expectation. You wanted them to get healed on earth. I wanted to heal them in heaven. You know why? Because they already knew me. So their relationship with God was good. It was your relationship I was trying to work on. And the treasure is not healing. The treasure is trusting. I wasn't trying to develop their immunity. I was trying to develop your faith. Can I be honest and transparent? You say that, but you don't want it. I think you would shudder if they knew all of me. All of me. And don't judge me, by the way, because if we knew all of you, we all put on our, our best self, you know? But I'll be 50% with you. And then next year, I'll preach about it. The other 50. That'll be the title of the message, the other 50. <laughs> I asked the Lord for a vision for my life this year. 
and he told me, and I do, I do this every year, I ask the Lord for direction, I said, Lord, give me a vision for this year, for my life personally, and, uh, and the Lord spoke to me, he said, I want this to be the year you learn to pray, and I was super offended <laughs> at the Lord, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I know how to pray, Lord, I've been praying my whole life, my first word, some people's first words are, Daddy, Mommy, my first word was Abba. <laughs> my first word was Yahweh. I was like, Yahweh. That was the first word. I know how to pray, Lord, but if you say so, I'll take my prayer life to the next level. Babe, you can attest. You live with me. So I'm not fronting for these people I'm trying to make a point. My prayer life this year, I've upped it in every way that I can. More time, more intentionality, more planning, more frequent. More, more passionate, any way that I can. I've been reading a book on prayer every month, different book on prayer, just experimenting with different types of prayers, just taking it all in. Here's the honesty part. But the moment I did that, can you go over there again? On the other side. The moment I did that, the moment the Lord said, I couldn't see it, but he said, I want you to learn to pray. I said, okay. The moment I did that, here's the transparency part. 2022 has been one of the most difficult years of my life, personally. And I was so confused because it was the year that I felt like I was doing more things right than ever. So I stuck out, I said, okay, I'ma pray. And the moment I started praying, life got hard, like really hard. So then, because life was hard, guess how I had to respond? I had to pray harder. But then when I prayed harder, guess what happened? Life got harder. So, so, so now that life got harder, what do I gotta do? I gotta pray harder. But then when I prayed even harder, guess what happened to my life? I didn't, there was no breakthrough. There was no deliverance. There was no blessings coming down from heaven that I could see in that moment. Life just seemed to get harder. And so I prayed harder and now I'm here. I can't see where I'm going, but I'm here, and I'm so confused that I was about to change direction. And I said, Lord, I don't think, I don't think I heard you right. He said, why do you don't think you heard me right? I said, because I prayed harder, and life got harder. This is what I told him, I said, I think I'm getting colder because it's getting hard, harder. I think I'm getting colder because it's getting harder. And God said, no, 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 no. It's getting harder because you're getting hotter. God told me to tell somebody today, it's getting hotter. You're getting hotter. Don't stop praying. You're getting hotter. Don't stop worshiping. You're getting hotter. Don't stop coming to church. You're getting hotter. Don't stop believing in miracles. You're getting hotter. Don't stop giving. You're getting hotter. Don't stop fasting. You're getting hotter. Don't stop prophesying. You're getting hotter. Don't stop laying hands on the sick. You're getting hotter. Don't stop believing for a miracle. You're getting hotter. Don't stop believing in people. You're getting hotter. Don't stop being kind. You're getting hotter. You're getting hotter. You're getting hotter. Keep coming. You are right at six. You're right at six. Keep going. One more. One more worship song. One more fight. One more prayer. One more. You're almost there. Stay standing. 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 Thank you so much, babe. Hey, by the way, you're getting hotter. You're getting hotter, girl. 40 years old, looking like a fitness influencer. 
Hear me, you're getting hotter. Don't give up now. Yeah. You're right there. You're a six. Six and a quarter. Six and a half. Six and three quarters. You're almost there. Don't stop now. Here's the last thing. Here's the last thing. God, I got to give you the second point. Some of us go home because we can't see. Here's my second point. Some of us go home because we can't go on. Anybody in the room today know what they're supposed to do, but it's hard to do? Please don't let me preach to myself. You know you're supposed to come to church, but it's getting hard. Anybody? I'm the pastor and it gets hard. Anybody know you're supposed to pray every morning, but it's getting hard? I'm just tired. I'm just tired. Anybody know that they're supposed to save themselves for marriage, but the battle for purity is getting harder and it's getting exhausting? Believing for the baby, believing for ministry, believing for, and it's getting, it's, it's getting, I'm just tired. Anybody tired? I'm just tired, Lord. Here's what God showed me in Exodus chapter 3, verse 15, 31, 15. For work may be done, but when you run out, when you've got no more strength, in between six and seven, the seventh day is a Sabbath of complete rest, holy to the Lord. Here's how he showed me, here's how he showed me. Here's how he showed me, I'm almost done. Here's how he showed me. He said, Justice is in, we're about to throw out these batteries. I said, don't you throw out those batteries. They said, they don't work no more. They're broken. It's out of energy, they're dead. I said, don't you throw out those batteries. Those are not regular batteries. Those are rechargeable batteries. Can I, can I apply a new designation to your exhaustion? What if your exhaustion is not the signal that you need to resign? What if your exhaustion is the signal that you need to recharge? What if God is telling you, don't throw away that dream, don't throw away that ministry, don't throw away that purpose, don't throw away that marriage, don't throw away that business, don't throw away that hope, don't throw away that destiny. It's not dead, it just needs to be recharged. He says, some people trying to live life like batteries, but eventually those batteries are gonna run out. You need to plug them into the charger. Don't live your life like a battery. Live your life like a plug. I'm gonna bring it home, I'm gonna bring it home. Now that we're going into seven, some of us here who call Journey Church home, I appreciate your attendance, but now it's time to get plugged in. It's time to get plugged in. Time to get plugged in. You've been coming once a month. Time to get plugged in. Come in three times a month. I've been coming, but I'm not on a team. Time to get plugged in. God's giving you an amazing voice, an amazing ministry. Get plugged in. I need to get in the smoke. Get plugged in. And here's what God told me last thing. I'm in here. I'm in here. He said, and, and tell all the Christians who are doing everything right that if they're really exhausted, not to plug into ministry, not to plug into, not to plug into more responsibility. Because you know what the boys did with the batteries? They didn't know how to use battery, rechargeable batteries. I said, don't throw them out, they recharge. You know what they did? They left them on the kitchen counter for three hours. And they came back, they put it in their Xbox controller and, and it didn't work. I said, I'm sorry. He said, you told me to unplug them so they could recharge. I said, that's not how they work, bro. It don't, unplugging is not enough. I got a question for you. Is it that you need to unplug from or that you need to plug into? Be careful 
that in an effort to relieve the pressure, you don't accidentally release your purpose. Be careful. Be careful. Plug in. So plug into God's presence. I said, all right, Lord, how do you plug into God's presence? I had a whole conversation with Jesus this week. Sorry if it sounds weird, but he's talking to me. I said, I said, it sounds like worship. Worship is how we plug into God's presence. That's what you do on the Sabbath. You take a pause, you unplug from your activity, and you plug into worship. And I said, well, I can't tell them worship. <laughs> because if I tell them worship, they're going to be like, basic, basic. I need revelation. I need, I need something that rhymes if you're going to expect me to change my life, pastor. You know why I use illustrations when I preach? Either it's so complicated that I need an illustration to explain it. Or it's so simple that I need an illustration to display it. Because if I don't illustrate it, the, the profoundness of it will go over your head. Because you go, that's simple, that's easy. So I'm going to use this one last time as an illustration. I said, all right, Lord, here's the charger. How do I convince them that worship is how they recharge? He said, look at the plug. I said, okay. I got nothing. Look at the shape of the plug. I got nothing. So look at the direction of the plug. I said, oh. Fine. 
enjoyed this message and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.